Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of The Comet Cast. I'm your host, Ryan, from Comic Comics, and today I'm joined by Josh Hudson, a fellow comic enthusiast, who will discuss some of his thoughts on some of our topics today while I talk everything comics, TV shows, movies, etc. With that said, sit back and relax and enjoy The Comet Cast. So before we jump into what we're going to be talking about today, I wanted to do a quick spoiler alert, like I always do, you know, let you guys know what we're going to be talking about so that if you haven't seen some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about or know about some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, I can kind of give you a heads up so that way you can go check it out and come back and listen to us. So today, our spoiler alerts kind of consist of Swamp Thing, the Black Adam movie. We're going to talk a little bit about Dwayne Johnson's possible role in an upcoming MCU film, David Morrissey from The Walking Dead and his possible character. We're going to talk all about Phase 4 when it comes to the MCU and what that entails. We got a few rumors about Keanu Reeves in the MCU as well as a Cyberpunk 2077 game. We have some renewals about Venom, loose for Season 5, and then we're going to kind of dive into Tom Holland, cast as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie, talk a little bit about how he spoiled some of the MCU for future events, and then conclude it with talking about Neon Future, a comic series done by Impact Theory Comics. With that said, let's jump right in to what we're going to be talking about today. So, first thing we're going to get off to right off the bat is Swamp Thing. Okay, so I've watched the first episode. Episode 2 has come out. I haven't got to watch it yet, but episode 1 was fantastic. I loved it. I loved what I saw. What really angered me, though, was the fact that after I watched the first episode, I found out that it was canceled. One episode in, one week into the series, Swamp Thing was axed. Even with a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Rotten Tomatoes seems to be a heavy hitter when it comes to certain movies reviews, especially with Warner Brothers. I mean, I don't know what's going on in their minds. I know that uh, they were having some issues with the budget in North Carolina, the tax exemption and all that other stuff, not getting the money that they wanted because of clerical error. I know there were some creative differences on the show being from the original comics to like like a horror type TV show. And then I also know that the DC Universe app just isn't doing well in general. And, you know, that really sucks. What are your thoughts on Swamp Thing being canceled. I find it a little disappointing that you come out with an origin show for one of the more tragic characters in the DC universe and you essentially axe any potential possibility without giving it enough traction to move forward. Swamp Thing is one of my all-time favorite characters as far as uh, the comics are concerned in in regards to Batman and being a villain in the DC universe, Mm -hmm. but you're going to take his legs out from under him before you give him an opportunity to move forward. Right, and that is what really aggravates me because I've heard a couple rumors that are going around and some of them that have actually been backed up by what they're saying at Warner Bros. But there are a lot of executives on this project that never actually wanted Swamp Thing to happen, which kind of surprises me. It's like, how do you get Swamp Thing out of the gate with executives that aren't on board with the project? And then with everything that happened from money to creative differences, it just right out of the gate, it was canceled. And that really blows because, like I said, Swamp Thing was a fantastic series. I'm looking forward to the episodes that it's got. Granted, it was cut from 13 to 10. That kind of blows, too. But I'm still going to enjoy every second 
of it, even though we're probably not going to see him again. I know there's rumors going around that the CW and HBO are looking at it, but I, I don't know what relevance there is to that, considering CW just doesn't have the budget for Swamp Thing, unless you want him to look like Root or something like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, they don't have the budget. Maybe HBO does, because HBO did what? Game of Thrones, right? And I mean, at like $6 million an episode, they could probably handle it. HBO just doesn't seem like it would be the home for Swamp Thing. I don't believe that HBO would give give it the credibility it deserves, not because it doesn't have the financial backing, but because it's a comic book entity. I don't see them picking up a show that follows a horror suspense background like what Swamp Thing entails. Yeah. I just don't see it happening. And especially with what's going on with the DC Universe app right now. From what I have heard and what has been speculated with everything that is going on through the series, it's more than likely going to happen where the DC Universe app is going to be taken out of the equation completely. I mean, it struggled to get off the off its legs when they first launched it, and then they started doing more TV shows. You got Titans, Doom Patrol, they got a Star Girl. I mean, there's all these shows coming out, Swamp Thing, and it's awesome. They had comics available for you to check out and all this, and it seemed great. But then we find out that Warner Brothers is doing a Warner Media app, and that's pretty much going to conflict directly with their streaming service. So they're like, we're probably going to pull the plug on this, throw everything that we've done on the Warner Media app and just get rid of the DC Universe app in general, which that kind of blows because where are we going to get to look at all these DC comics and stuff? I mean, they got just thousands of comics that you can check out on the DC Universe app. It just doesn't make sense to me how you're going to invest in a platform like the DC Universe app to destroy it before it gets enough traction and then expect the fan base, true fans of the DC Universe, myself, yourself included, and disrespect us in that regard. It's like what they've done with a lot of the DC Universe movies. We've had a couple of hits. We've had a couple of stars lining out through the stratosphere, but we've had a lot of flops. We've had a lot of pain and a lot of misery. (laughs) And we're sitting here, we're sitting here just like with our our hands up, like wanting to fight somebody over this because it doesn't make any sense. Like you want money, but you don't want to do it right. But you want everyone to be happy with it, but you don't follow the source material. How about you get these old crones who don't know what they're talking about out of the executive position and put people who have money that care about the product in that position. Exactly. I mean, I've been having a lot of conversation about this on my Instagram, Comic Comics underscore official plug, where we talk about, we've talked about the DC Universe app, and I had made a post about Swamp Thing being canceled, and people, they were just, they were ecstatic. I mean, they were so pissed off that, that it was canceled after one episode, considering how well the show's been doing. We had a discussion with me and one of my followers where we were talking about how the DC Universe app, they couldn't get their act together. I mean, they had a few hits with some of these, you know, series, but other than CW, which did the Arrowverse, TV shows are the only thing good other than like Shazam and Wonder Woman and Aquaman that were really good. I mean, don't get me started on Justice League or even Batman versus Superman. Yeah, they had some good parts, but they rushed it trying to compete with Marvel and you just, in that situation, you can't really do that. And speaking of DC and, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing, you know, I'm, I guess I'm really excited for where they're going with Shazam and some of the Shazam villains, primarily Black Adam. So from what I had gathered, uh, this was a post that was made, I think it was right after Shazam had came out by The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, where he's talking about where and when Black Adam was going to be start filming. And from what he was talking about, Black Adam, the earliest that it's going to start filming or the latest it's going to start filming is actually this coming year. So like 2020, it's going to be start filming and we could be seeing a Black Adam movie by the end of 2020, 
early 2021. What are your thoughts on Black Adam coming into the Shazam universe that they got going on right now? Well, considering how universally popular Dwayne Johnson is as the strongest frontrunner for the role, he's confirmed to be the actor to play the character. And considering how much of a sleeper hit Shazam was, which I was pleasantly surprised. I never expected it to be as good or as, as funny as it was. It kept me laughing the whole time. Even the end credits of the movie were absolutely great. Like it, it, It's different, but it made you want to stay. It made you want to stay sucked into what's going on in the movie. Yeah. And Dwayne Johnson, you know, I, I grew up watching him as The Rock, as right. a wrestler. And, and seeing him play to the crowd, play to the emotions and everything else. While some of his movies haven't been the greatest, as far as his popularity, it has only grown. Yeah. I mean, so with him coming in as, you know, one of those universally loved stars coming into the DC universe playing arguably one of the greatest um, magic using villains in the DC universe. Right. I'm excited. Right. Plus, he fits the build. Right. Like, I how mean, many how many actors do you know that are built six foot five, six foot six, you know, 275 pounds and look like a brick? Right. I mean, can you just smell what Black Adam's cooking, man? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can smell it, and I'm not going to lie, it smells good. I am so excited for the Dwayne Johnson and him being in the DC universe. I think that's going to really up the quality of the DC universe because I believe he's also a producer on the his uh, company, Seven Bucks, their producer and production company on um, the Black Adam movie, which is really cool. In this video, he's talking about how they come up with the idea and they wanted to originally do a Shazam Black Adam movie together, but then they decided, let's give Shazam his own story, let's give Black Adam his own story and then bring them together, you know, in a possibly like a, a third film. And that sounds awesome. And just Dwayne Johnson in general, he's a fantastic actor. I know he's actually been trying to get in with Kevin Feige over at Marvel Studios to get in as character in the MCU as well. And from what I've heard, there are actually talks about a couple of characters that he might be good for, mainly somebody in the Fantastic Four reboot that they're going to be doing in probably the next five to seven years. I know Kevin Feige talked about not introducing the X-Men or the Fantastic Four for about five years. So, I mean, anywhere from five to seven years, we could probably see some of these characters start to develop. And what I'm really excited for with Dwayne Johnson is the possibility of him playing Ben Grimm in the Fantastic Four. What are your thoughts on him playing Ben Grimm? I know a lot of people are a little wonky. You know, this is a rumor going around that this is who he could be playing. I know he's going to be playing somebody in the Fantastic Four, but I mean, this seems to be the best person that he would fit with, like you said, his build, you know, 6566 and built like a rock wall. You know what I'm saying? So what are your thoughts? First and foremost, just to give a little bit of credibility to the MCU, as far as their casting choices for each of their movies and origin stories and everything else, it's been relatively batting a thousand. They have hit the nail on the head with just about every single character that they've brought to the screen. And if they're going to pick someone to portray Ben Grimm, given the absolute myopic mess that the last <laughs> iterations of the Fantastic Four that we have seen, I'm not going to go into the one from 24 because that was just a nightmare. Right. Uh, don't want to go into uh, Ewan uh, Grufford and Chris Evans' first stab at a Marvel character when yeah. he was Johnny Storm. Uh, but Michael Chiklis was the most believable character in those two movies. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have any issue with him reprising it, but Dwayne Johnson being a, being a front runner and potential opportunity, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, not to slam the Fantastic Four reboots and stuff, but I actually 
actually liked the thing in the 24th. I just liked the way he looked. So when I look at movies, it's not about, you know, story, plot, all that other stuff. I mean, that definitely goes into it. But since I've worked behind the scenes on a lot of films, I know what effort goes into it. So like CGI, all of the the set dressing, the locations, you know, the visual effects, everything from somebody making sure that we write down the right take, the good take, to somebody removing the sprite can in the background because some dumb, dumbass left a sprite can in the background and we're not plugging sprite in this film. All of that stuff, you know, it really goes into, you know, making these films happen. I mean, you know, Dark Phoenix for me is a good example. Everybody's totally smashed it. I won't spoil it. I know you haven't seen it yet, but everybody's hating on it and, I, you know, I'm going like, it's a good, if you're an X-Men fan, go check it out. I mean, I love the visual effects of how they did the Dark Phoenix, and that's that. I mean, yeah, the story might not have been great. It could have been better, but it could have been worse. So with those types of things, you really got to look at everything else that kind of goes into making the movie, because making movies, they aren't easy. If you want a better movie, then go out and try to do it yourself and realize that they're doing the best they can with what they've been given. I mean, oh yeah, it's a director's fault. Can they, you know, rewrite a script that Warner Brothers has locked in? Not really, unless they fight it, then they can get replaced. I mean, that's what happens. It's the movie business. There's not much you can really do but play ball. You could try to throw your weight around as a director like James Cameron or James Gunn or any of these other big ones, but the actuality of that happening is very slim for, you know, smaller directors who direct films like the Fantastic Four reboot. So that's my little, like, side excursion on everything else that goes into making films. Let's get a little bit back on track. Speaking of uh, possible characters coming into the MCU. I know we were talking about, what, David Morrissey, the governor from The Walking Dead, possibly being eyed for Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. And I gotta say, I know he's been eyed for, and MCU's eyed him for a bunch of different characters. He has just this this look and this bravado. I mean, just the way he, he acts and brings his characters to life. The MCU's wanted to get him in to a Marvel film. They just haven't found the right character for him. But I honestly think that the Green Goblin could be David's rise to fame when it comes to the MCU. What are your thoughts on him playing the Green Goblin in the upcoming MCU films? If he puts the same effort behind how he portrayed the governor in The Walking Dead into being Norman Osborn, no disrespect to um, Willem Dafoe, but he's going to knock him out of the water. I personally don't see another opportunity that could come along that's a more perfect fit for him, especially with how they're tying everything together. I think that he's probably the best option, to be completely honest. I'd uh, I'd definitely heard some rumors about uh, this was in credit scene for Spider-Man Far From Home. I know it hasn't come out yet. Spoiler alert if you don't want to hear this, tune out the next 30 seconds. But they were talking about how there's a possibility in the in-scene credit that we get to see Norman Osborn from afar. We get to see the Oscorp Tower in the old Avengers Tower. So it's looking like Norman Osborn off camera ends up buying the old Avengers Tower to turn it into Oscorp. And I don't know if this is going to happen. That's just a rumor that is circulating around the web. But if that does happen and they are setting him up for phase four in Spider-Man Far From Home, that is going to be awesome. We could be seeing him in the next year or two as far as all that's going down because we got the released slate of movies for 2020. We know what's going down. What are your your thoughts on that? I mean, with everything that happened in Endgame and how the story has progressed in the first 10, 11 years of the MCU, you know, you have to have another 
another, you know, mainstay big bad that's on the planetary realm, not the intergalactic. And there's only a handful of options as far as a, an extended MCU universe as far as on Earth. And Norman Osborn is the front runner because he causes strife and issue with all of the comic book characters that we've seen come to life. So for that to happen, I not only would I not be surprised, I would be happy. Right. I would gun for it and I'd cheer. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see that. I know they were talking about some of the possible villains for the Phase 4 and having two different like big bads, like you're saying, having somebody more the planetary world domination type, you know, villain like the Green Goblin and then somebody that's more intergalactic where they, you know, they kind of got to face these two in different, in different strides and the villain that they were kind of eyeing and talking about and rumored for Phase 4 was actually Michael Korvac, which I'm super excited about because, I mean, this is a guy who kind of reminds me of Cable. He can, you know, he's like half man, half machine. He can time travel into the past, future. He can do all this crazy stuff. His intellect's out of this world. He could definitely be kind of a, a runner-up to Thanos when it comes to building these villains that uh, we're going to be seeing. I mean, I could see him kind of kicking off even some kind of, kind of like a Dark Avengers type storyline. I could see him kicking it off because, I mean, we got obviously Goblin in it and that's going to be great. And I mean, Goblin and Korvac teaming up in a possible phase four, phase five, whatever they're going to do with that, that would be fantastic. I know that they've already confirmed or they're rumoring that confirmation's not, I guess, confirmed yet that uh, we could be seeing an Ant-Man three movie and a possible Thor movie in phase four, which doesn't surprise me. I know that Chris Hemsworth has signed on for a possible Thor four movie after the Guardians of the Galaxy, which sadly after Guardians of the Galaxy three, which is another phase four movie, you know, ends, we're going to, you know, not see those characters anymore. So, I mean, obviously they can't get rid of Thor. So, you know, a Thor four movie, I could definitely see. I know we have talked about how they're still doing the Eternals, Black Widow, Black Panther 2, Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange 2. They leaked Nova. They also talked about a possible Captain Marvel 2 and the Avengers 5. And with some of those movies, there are, you know, little rumors going around speculations that, oh, like a good example, Black Panther 2, that Killmonger is going to be returning as well as Prowler. Prowler, yes. yeah, yeah. So with Black Panther 2, Killmonger and Prowler are rumored to be in it, which doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people because Prowler is a Spider-Man villain. Like, why is that going to happen? And apparently Donald Glover is going to be back to reprise his role as Prowler. And honestly, I don't know how Donald Glover is going to do that because I don't really see Donald Glover as the Prowler type. He's always kind of been that comedy type guy, guy you don't really take serious. And Prowler's more of a, you know, he's a scarier dude. I mean, he's essentially assassin who, you know, he kills people. The only thing I can say about Donald Glover as far as, like, branching out from his comedic roots is if you watch his show Atlanta, it'll give you a little bit more in-depth to his drama acting and everything else and how he carries himself and his music persona, Childish Gambino, a lot of his music videos have a very dramatic and edgy feel to them, so you can see that his acting range is farther. Plus, if you remember from, I believe it was last year with Solo and him playing Lando Calrissian. That is true. He did do a really good job playing a a young Lando. So I could see him portraying a villain. I'm going to leave that in the air and let it happen as it does. Right. And with that, you know, we've got rumors for villains in possible, you know, the Captain Marvel 2. I mean, they're talking about how Ronan the Accuser is going to make a return in Captain Marvel 2 because Captain Marvel 2 takes place between the first Captain Marvel and Infinity Wars because she's going out to help the Skrulls. Yeah, she 
went out to help the scrolls relocate, find another planet, and, you know, kind of promote peace among all these other planets out in the solar system. So who knows what she's going to do for what? Was it, it was like a 10 or 10 or 20 year gap between Captain Marvel and the Infinity War? Because that was like 10 years before he started the Avengers project, right? I believe Captain Marvel was based between like 92 and 95. Yeah. And Infinity War happened in 2019. The movie came out 2018, but the movie is based in 2019. Something like that. I want to say that because it, 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 there's supposed to be the five year gap after Endgame, which if you haven't seen it, you should. Because if you haven't seen it, none of this is going to make sense. <laughs> right. And then even with that, they're talking about with Captain Marvel that Korvac could be a main villain that they introduce in that because he's an intergalactic villain. So seeing him kind of pop up in Captain Marvel 2, which takes place in between those and kind of sets him up to be the upcoming villain in Phase 4, would actually be really smart because, again, Captain Marvel 2 would be a prequel to Infinity War and Endgame, so we'd get to see a build-up. And with that, I know we had talked about other possible rumors in the last episode, my favorite being Ultron coming back, because with my theory being that, you know, he uploaded himself into the jet that crashed on Sakaar, I mean, in that time period, we could have seen him grow into somebody who took over lots of galaxies in between that time and Endgame when he snapped everyone away. Here's a fun fact about uh, Ultron as far and with what you're saying yeah. with going to Sakaar, Sakaar is based outside of time. Exactly. And if you follow the comics and you pay attention and you, you see the movie Thor Ragnarok, Loki's there for what seemed like 20, 30 seconds, but he was really there for a couple of weeks. Extrapolate the amount of time that the Hulk was there, two, three years, so that's probably, what, three, four thousand years at least that he was there. Ultron's there for seven years. Like, Which is a lot of time. Right. So, yeah. so and, and that gives him all of this time, all of this opportunity to rebuild himself and come back stronger than ever with a stronger material than vibranium, vibranium. Which, is, which is what he was uh, I mean, harvesting just, on Earth. Yeah, just look look how Thanos tore that apart. I mean, not only did he tear apart Vision to remove the stone from his head, he also broke down Captain America's shield with his weapon. Like, what the heck is his weapon made out of that he can just so easily slice apart a vibranium shield? The only thing I can say to that is he potentially had Eitri, the dwarf, at uh, Neville I'm probably not never gonna say this right. Uh, Neville Neville the dwarven city built around the dying uh, dwarf star. My guess, honestly, is that, and um, I believe that the Russo brothers also confirmed this when they were interviewed about what his weapon was made out of. That it's not far fetched to believe that he would have had Eitri create a weapon that is the strongest for the strongest being in the universe. Yeah. If he's gonna wield the Infinity Gauntlet with all six stones, he better have a weapon that can complement it. So yeah, and with that, I mean, you know, that's like his past self maybe that could have happened i doubt that he would have went back to that same place twice i mean just look at what he had done to it in the his future version of himself completely killed everybody and maybe he had somebody build it kind of you know low-key had somebody go get him a weapon something like that who knows or maybe he found somebody else that built him the weapon for him maybe even the collector had something who knows i mean it's a realm of possibilities i mean you guys can let us know what you guys think when it comes to that you can just you know let us know on some of these posts that 
that that'll be sharing in the next couple of days. But with that, there are a lot of other things that are coming to the MCU. A big one that I had seen that I really want to talk about is how they talked about Loki and how he's going to return to the main MCU timeline after his Disney Plus miniseries, which I am really excited about. I know I've talked about Loki and the Disney Plus miniseries a little bit, but I'm super excited to see the miniseries based around 2012 Loki that never had the growth of Thor 2 and Thor 3 to where we saw kind of a better side to him. Still betrays his brother, but he kind of, I guess, become a character that we know and love. And, you know, he's had that growth, but now we're going to get to see a whole new version of him. And he could potentially be coming back as a villain in the upcoming MCU somehow. He could play a role in helping Goblin or Korvac. I mean, who knows? Because he's not the same Loki that sacrificed himself to save Thor in Infinity War. Who knows where that's going to go? Where, what are your thoughts on Loki returning to the MCU? The fact that Tom Hiddleston has confirmed that he is going to be reprising his role has me extremely ecstatic. I think that without uh, the Dark World and Thor Ragnarok and everything that's happened in between that, as far as the timeline goes, the fact that it's branched from Endgame to create an alternate universe and timeline for him to wreak havoc and do what he wants to and separate himself from anything that could help him grow to be a more well-rounded person as opposed to continuing his villainous ways. Loki has always been my all-time favorite character as far as villains are concerned in the MCU, and Tom Hiddleston's portrayal is bar none one of the greatest acting performances I've seen in my entire adult life because you see a character that doesn't really get a lot of credit, doesn't get a lot of uh, build or development, and have someone that just becomes this well-rounded fan favorite and embodies the perfect level of villainy and charm that comes comes to it. I'm sorry. When Hela tells him to kneel in her initial appearance in Ragnarok and he goes, I beg your pardon. You can't replicate that. Right. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I totally feel that and I'm super excited to see where Loki's gonna go with that and just what they've got planned for the MCU in general. I even know there's some other rumors circulating about possible characters entering the MCU and I guess one of my favorite that I've heard so far is the fact that Keanu Reeves has expressed interest in being in the MCU. I'm super excited. I don't know who he would exactly play in the MCU but I'm really hoping that Kevin Feige finds a spot for him. I mean, just look at the success of John Wick. He was just confirmed to get a role in the Cyberpunk 2077 video game. There are just so many things that he can do from the Matrix to John Wick to, you know, this his talent is, it's on par with some of the stuff that we see from Tom Hiddleston's Loki. There are so many actors out there that are just perfectly cast for these roles. Tom Hiddleston for Loki, whoever they pick for Keanu Reeves, they're going to be on the money. Because like you said, the MCU, when it comes to casting people, people and putting them into comic book characters they're batting a thousand mm-hmm. they're doing fantastic you know with a lot of that stuff switching to more of a, a different universe there was actually some renewals that i wanted to talk about that had recently been dropped and one of them being for venom it was released a couple weeks ago they talked about how venom is actually set up for a trilogy tom hardy signed on for three films we already know the second one's going to be about carnage which that's fantastic who doesn't like carnage right i did a video on Carnage because Carnage is so popular on my channel. You know, with that, you know, we got that. I mean, we got fan favorites on Netflix, Lucifer, season five being its final, sadly, but hey, you know, it got picked up after Fox axed it on its third season, and if you haven't seen season four, go see it. It's on Netflix. You can binge it all. It's ten episodes. It is muy magnifique. You know what I'm saying? It is just, it is a great TV show, and that's based off comics, too. There are so many things, so many comics. That's DC, obviously, but there are so many comics 
comics out there that we base and, you know, kind of cast these characters as. You know, Tom Ellis, perfect Lucifer. Tom Hardy, perfect Venom. You know, Woody Harrelson, him as Carnage, that's perfect. When I first saw him in Venom, I wasn't too keen on the, the red curly hair. I mean, <laughs> the red fro, that was a little weird. But, you know, you got past it when you noticed that Woody Harrelson is a phenomenal actor. And they just, they're on the money when it comes to casting some of these characters. Only people that I could beg to differ in the MCU or DC universe that they've really messed up casting for would have to be probably, and this is not dogging on any of the Inhumans, but the Inhuman series that Marvel Television did. I even liked some of the cast that they had there, but still, that's probably the only example that is kind of in the MCU now. I mean, granted, you got like Fantastic Four and all those other little random things that they've done, but they're really on the money with some of those things, and there are very select few moments where they didn't cast a great actor, and even in some of those, the actors were still greatly cast for it. Ian, who played Mr. Fantastic in the original one, I loved him because I saw him on Forever. He's on the new TV show Harrow, an Australian mm-hmm. series. He's a phenomenal actor and he did Mr. Fantastic really well. Granted, the movie wasn't the best, but you know, actors can't really control that. They get paid to do a job like we all get paid to do a job. So seeing where all this is going to go is is really cool. And even with Tom Holland, you know, he is a, he's a perfect cast for Spider-Man. I mean, I liked Andrew Garfield. I liked Tobey Maguire, but it's just Tom Holland's time to be Spider-Man. And with Spider-Man Far From Home coming in, uh, what, in a month? It's exciting because we're going to get to see a newer version of Tom Holland in his suit, in his Spider-Man suit. And what's funny about Tom Holland, what I really like, is that he can't keep himself from spoiling stuff. <laughs> and I actually have a spoiler that I wanted to talk about that he had kind of talked about in uh, in an interview that he had with somebody where he spoiled the fact that the Elementals came through a dimensional rift, which was opened when Thanos made his snap. So now we know some possible MCU future events that probably weren't supposed to be spoiled until the movie came out because of Tom Holland. And, you know, thank you, Tom Holland, because now I've got something to talk about on my podcast. You know, I get to (laughs) talk about a dimensional rift and how the elementals came through it and how he gets to team up with Mysterio to kick some ass. And that is really cool. I mean, Tom Holland is a phenomenal actor. You know, granted, they never gave him a whole script in Endgame. I mean, I don't think anybody had a whole script except for Robert Downey Jr. And I think there was one other actor that had a full script. I think it was Chris Evans. Yeah, even then, I mean, Tom Holland got bits and pieces and he had no idea what he was doing because he can't help it. And (laughs) I'm so glad that he can't. I don't know what they're doing with Tom Holland being cast as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie because Nathan Drake is like 30 and Tom Holland is like early 20s. I mean, he could still play a high schooler. I don't know what they're doing there, but what are your thoughts on that? That's a lose-lose with the younger British actors and it's not a slight on them. When you're young and you're British, you don't really look well as an older character. Yeah. Nathan Drake, like you said, he's he's between like 30 and 35, so you're either going to have to do a little bit of digital enhancement, yep. or he's going to have to start growing out the facial hair a right. little bit, because he's way too baby-faced to play the character. Now, he has the acting chops. Yeah. I think he can do the character justice, but as far as like the way the game goes and the story mode and everything else, and then wanting to do a live-action movie, as long as it's not like Angelina Jolie and, and the Laura Croft movies, I'll be okay with it. Right. Yeah, I definitely like the newer Laura Croft when I, I can't think of her Alicia name. Alicia Vikander. Oh my gosh, she did fantastic. She was, side she was pitch on that. perfect for Oh it. my gosh. And that movie even bombed, which was really sad because, you know, at least she just did it, a fantastic job. It was more accurate to the way the game was. Exactly. And the off-kilter, you don't know, you know, when this is going to fall away from you, so yeah. you're just sitting there like, you're watching the movie 
like you would be playing the video game. You're waiting to see what's going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just depends on how they decide to go with it. It's not the MCU, so I don't I can't really say what's going to happen with the Uncharted film, but I think that given the right script and the right director, it'll be a good one. But getting a little bit back on topic with kind of closing things out, I wanted to briefly talk about a comic series that I started reading. I had somebody reach out to me on my Instagram at comic comics underscore official, and they had me read this fantastic series that I want to tell you a little bit about called Neon Future. So Impact Theory Comics is the, the creator of said comic series, Neon Future. And Neon Future is kind of a series based in the future where futuristic tech and augmentation to humans is made illegal. So the automated, they get hunted by the authentic. And that's kind of the basis for this comic series. And I'm super excited to tell you guys about it because I mean, I read the first three like that. As soon as, you know, he sent them to me, I read them. I am so excited to read three, four, and five as they come out over the next couple of months because it is a great series. They're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con this year revealing their new series, which is going to be, I mean, it's, it's going to blow you guys out of the water. It, it sounds fantastic. You know, if you can check this out, I mean, I told you a little bit about it. Right. You know, what are your thoughts on what I've said about Neon Future and just where it's going as a series right now? As far as everything I've seen about it, I have only been able to skim through, so I can't give a definitive opinion because I haven't seen enough of the source material. But from everything I've seen, I see the um, religious implication behind it, the purity and everything else, the people who are authentic, having issue with the technology and everything else. It's a dystopian future where Mm -hmm. technology takes over and the people who don't want it to take over are the ones who have power. So because they have power, they are going to make it into an issue. I see it being a powder keg. I see it being something that is going to literally explode off the pages as the story develops. I think that with everything that I've seen so far, uh, all the implications, and just from past experiences from uh, from its predecessors, that if not for them, this wouldn't have been made. Yeah. So you can kind of see it if, if you've watched stuff like V for Vendetta or anything future like Alita Battle Angel, stuff yeah. like that. It's a perfect amalgamation of Alita Battle Battle Angel and V for Vendetta as far as how you have control. You have the control aspect of V for Vendetta, you have the tech aspect of Alita Battle Angel, and you put it into a comic series and you're bringing it to life. Yeah. I I like it. They ended up having, what, Jim Kruger on board for that? And I mean, that is just fantastic. The story is great. The art is great. It is a great comic. I mean, when I first opened it, I was just, I was blown away by just the comic book art and the story and the little notes that they put in the beginning of it, the personalized notes that really make you feel as a comic lover, you know, appreciated and supported in what you're doing and helping them, you know, or helping you to support them. You know, it's just, it's a really cool mix. My favorite thing about it, I think so far is like some of the stuff that they have towards the end. I won't spoil too much, but they have, it's just the greatest because they have these little, they're these little drawings, like original sketches of what the characters look like through their changes. And to me, that is awesome because I have not read a comic where I've seen that. I'm sure that they've done it, but in the first couple series, being able able to see their progress and how they've built this up and how they want this to be a great story. You can tell that they've put a lot of care and a lot of love into it. And that's why I'm super excited to be able to talk about this on behalf of Tom and his wife and just everybody at Impact Theory Comics who have put in the effort and the time into making this the best that it can be. And if I could, I would love to go meet them at San Diego Comic-Con. I don't think that's going to happen because I'm over here on, you know, the, the East Coast and that's on the West Coast 
but you know, I hope that it goes great. I hope that everybody takes us in. It's well received with their audience and that they just, they build it to be the best that it can be. I mean, I could see a big universe out of this and hopefully in 10 to 15 years, maybe we get to see a movie with Clay Campbell, the main character in this comic series on the big screen. With that, you know that wraps us up for the time today. I do want to thank you all for joining us today here at the Comic Cast. I hope you learned a thing or two. I know that I definitely did. Don't forget to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel Comic Comics as well as check out my Instagram page at Comic Comics underscore official to continue our conversations. As always, this is Ryan. And I'm Josh. And this is the Comic Cast.